your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. Cut clock off. They get it inside. Yes. Jumper. Yes! Jimerson from 15 on the baseline. Bills lead by one. I am so ready to be hearing St. Louis University Billikens basketball right here on KMOX. Of course, the person behind the mic is Bob Ramsey. You follow him on Twitter at RammerSTL. Bob, thanks so much for the time as always. How are you? Matt, my friend, how are you, sir? I am doing good. You uh, you tweeted out you had some uh, some good time on the SLU campus yesterday, including uh, watching a men's basketball scrimmage. What jumped yeah. out at you uh, yesterday when, when watching the guys go? You know, um, let me uh, kind of go uh, backwards to answer that. And I've noticed it, that in a lot of breakdowns from the national media, no one mentions Sincere Parker. And I think in our business, Matt, we sort of automatically and sometimes unintentionally dismiss or even count the unknown about a given team or player as a negative. And, folks, if you're, you're sleeping on Sincere Parker, if you don't know how good a player this kid is. And what I like about him, Matt, is he's not a guy that's like a ball hog. And, and you would say, well, that's a shock. A Juco national leading scorer, not a ball hog. He lets the game come to him. But then when he does, it is a lethal strike. He is so much fun to watch. And he's going to be a key part of this team this coming season. There's something about the JUCO guys that dominate junior college basketball, but then also have the ability to, because a lot of times when you are playing JUCO basketball, if you're going to be a D1 transfer, you're the best guy on the floor more nights than, than anything else. But right. then when you get to, if you can make that transition, whereas a guy, you can be part of the team, but still bring that explosiveness. It's fun to watch that. And it seems like there's something about JUCO basketball and what kind of builds you up. It can really play out if everything else works well. And to be fair and balanced, Travis Ford has said, and this is probably generally true to Juco Ball, Sincere has not, um, previous to, you know, working with Travis Ford, has not really maybe committed to defense. And that's something you've got to do if you're going to play for the Billikens. The A-10 announcing the preseason poll, announcing the preseason all-conference teams recently. Did you agree with most of what they said? Disagree? How did you evaluate that? I thought it was pretty reasonable. Um, it was good to see Francis Okoro um, get some accolades as a, as a defensive player. I think what people are missing on him is when you look at the last month, six weeks of the season, he was nearly a double-double guy every night, and he presents – the Billikens with a, a real nice offensive option in the middle, but um, his defense uh, deserved the notoriety and he got it. So I thought it was good. Yuri Collins, first team and uh, best team all con- uh, all defense and those sorts of things. I thought it was pretty fair. You mentioned the defense, and you get two players onto the five-man all-defensive team. We've talked so much about the explosiveness of this team and what they can maybe do offensively because that's what you talk about. But from a defensive standpoint, just how good can this team be? Well, I think 
we mentioned Okoro and Collins. The Missouri transfer, Javon Pickett, he's going to guard you. Fred Thatch is there to guard you. And then you look at um, the scorers. We mentioned Sincere Parker, Gibson Jimerson, uh, uh, Javante Perkins. So can you get the uh, top-notch defense night in, night out from those guys? I I think the answer is yes. I want to believe that. The proof is in the pudding because if you get that kind of defense – you know, um, uh, even if it's, you know, team defense, that that I think that that presents the balance that gives a high-scoring team a chance to win most of their games. They're three days away from their exhibition against Umzel. How beneficial can be can one of those games be where you finally get to go against somebody who's wearing a different jersey? Well, in this particular game, I'm a little bit skeptical. Um, it's early, two weeks before the season opener, and – um, Bob Sunvold's UMSL team, and everybody knows Sunvold is a great coach, but I think he only returns like two players, some ridiculous number. It's, they've only, they will have only practiced a handful of days. So um, I think for the Billikens, just learning to run their stuff, as a coach would like to say, to run their offense, to play the defense the way they're supposed to, and, you know, really work work on their things almost, you know, like a practice game, like it is. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to take really anything away from the score for either team. I want to talk to you a little bit about Lindenwood football. You uh, you do the broadcast on, uh, on ESPN Plus, and um, this is the, obviously just Lindenwood Athletics is a great story, and we've talked about that a whole bunch. They're four and two. The, probably that that going to Central Arkansas and getting a three point win there. That's pretty impressive. They got a double yep. overtime win on the road against Eastern Illinois. They're still looking for that first win in, in league play. Uh, I, I'm not right there like you are, but man, from looking from the outside in, it feels like this year could not be going much better for this team. Yeah, Jed Stewart's got got a, a really terrific program going. Um, Eastern and for those who might be confused, Eastern Illinois is in the conference, but that game had been scheduled prior to Lindenwood joining the conference. So sort of on a technicality, it doesn't count, but since it's a win, Lindenwood wants to count it and I'm with them on that. (laughs) Um, so now you got Murray state coming in and this will be a real test because, uh, Murray may be a little bit down, but you're at home. It's homecoming. You need to win. You need to win decisively to more or less, and everybody's keeping an eye, by the way, on Lindenwood. Um, some of the folks from SEMO thought that, that Lindenwood's program is a sleeping giant ready to emerge in the Ohio Valley Conference. And tomorrow, and a decisive victory would go a long way in, in sort of uh, backing that up. What's the environment been, and tomorrow's homecoming, so it's probably going to be one of the best environments of the year, but can you talk me through what it's like at a home game this year for this program and the support that they're getting? You know, what's really uh, surprised and pleased me is the way the uh, tailgating's been set up and fans have really gotten into the game as an event. And, you know, it's first-year Division One. It's a small stadium, but a beautiful one, folks. If you've never been out there, it's, it's really a great setting. And so it's kind of that, that first year of, of dipping the toe in the water, seeing where we are in growth, you know, six, 7,000 fans doesn't sound like much. And, um, and you could argue it's not, but it makes it loud. 
uh, loud at Hunter Stadium, and it's going to grow. And as this team wins and Coach Stewart gets this team as a winner, then then uh, student participation and local fans coming out, you've got to start developing that as the thing to do, and that's how you develop atmosphere. So it's in the early stages, but to answer you more directly, I've been very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's a really good story, and, and honestly, we probably should be talking about it more. I mean, those last two wins are pretty eye-opening when you, when you think about the, the – those are pretty mm-hmm. solid programs. Central Arkansas wins a lot of games. Eastern Illinois, maybe not as uh, great lately, but you think about all the – that's been a football, like, just powerhouse in terms of people who have come through there. Uh, so the, those are really impressive road wins. Yeah, and as I said, I think um, a decisive victory, I don't want to jinx things, but a decisive victory would um, sort of really put Lindenwood on the map in the OVC, which is a terrific conference. And and then you've got some veteran players who are who are you know getting to go out on top, so to speak, as the program moved to FCS, and 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 that's really neat to see. Bob Ramsey continues to join us. We can't get you out of here before talking a little Cardinals baseball. I've asked this to a lot of people since the season came to an end. Have you seen anything in the postseason since the Cardinals have been knocked out that maybe the Cardinals should be using to kind of learn something about themselves or just saying that they need to do that other teams are doing better, uh, that you've seen a, a trait that maybe exists among these teams that are still alive? I think it's offense. Yeah. And when we saw the Phillies during the year, the offense was eh, but you could look at the lineup. They had names, and it just took them a while to get it going. Um, I, it probably is not fair to try and make comparisons to that unbelievable six-week period where everybody was hitting for the Cardinals, but you've got to find a way to lengthen the lineup. Is it people you already have playing better? That might be one answer. Um, how much do you trust it? And of the candidates to play, probably in the outfield and a DH, of those candidates, who are the ones you trust and I mean trust, not, hey, well, let's hope. Trust to make those steps forward and the improvement. And can you look at your squad and say, we need to pick up somebody here. We need another bigger bat there. And I think that's the challenge for the Cardinals in the offseason. And if you do decide to move people, you know, they've been bitten a little bit by maybe moving a couple of the wrong outfielders um, uh, the last through the last few winter winter uh, seasons, um, making the right choices, and it's a it's a tough spot to be to be able to predict success, but that's what they got to do. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from the moves that were made at the deadline because they go on that run in August in large part because of an acquisition of a Jose Quintana because of a Jordan Montgomery. But it's also, you know, during the season we're sitting there looking at Harrison Bader not playing at all with the Yankees, and now all of a sudden we see what he's doing. Uh, we saw Soto and Bell not really do much with the Padres during the regular season. Their raw numbers in the postseason aren't great, but they're certainly involved in helping the Padres score runs, and that's the most important thing no matter what your numbers are. Are, and it almost feels like you can almost look at those moves a little bit differently now because of what those guys are doing in the playoffs. Well, I, you had to have pitching, and I thought the moves were brilliant, and without them, well, you had a nice lead and you won comfortably, and the way the offense was going, you might have won the division anyway, but um, I, don't, I don't think I, I think I don't like the odds on that. 
So I think those moves were brilliant. But where do you go from here? Um, I know a lot of people feel like you need an ace. I wouldn't mind having another guy, but I don't think you need to add another third or fourth starter. You got plenty of those. Yeah, that's all you got. Can you get an ace? Can you get a Rodon? And so the thing that's impossible to predict these days is trades. Who could predict Carson Kelly for Paul Goldschmidt? Hmm. Who could predict uh, uh, Austin Gomber for Nolan Arenado? You can't predict deals. Um, So you look at free agency and kind of cherry pick who you would like to get and then kind of identify what you need and see if John Moselak and and Gersh can make those deals. Um, I think it's clear you need an offensive help at catcher. And, um, and you know, again, do you count on at least two of your current young players to come through, or do you feel like you need to go get another one? And I think think you need two bats because, let's say, Let's say Jordan Walker comes up and becomes a, a, a viable offensive option. You're still short because he replaces Pujols, and the, and, the, and the Cardinals were still short. So as it stands today, I think you need two, at, two bats in the lineup. Yeah, I agree 100%. We are counting down the days to Monday, November 7th. Slew Wilkins basketball right here. They are going to uh, match up against Murray State that night, a 7 o'clock tip-off, and uh, we look forward to it. Rammer, thanks so much for the time. I'm sure we'll uh, talk to you maybe at least once more time before uh, before we get to that game. Anytime, Matt, and I'm like you and all the fans. I cannot wait for this basketball season to get started on KMOX. Yeah, absolutely. There's Bob Ramsey joining us. We appreciate him uh, taking some time. Follow him on Twitter, at RammerSTL. I meant to ask him because he tweeted about this as well, and we'll talk about more later on. Uh, the St. Louis University women's soccer team, they got a one nothing win. Uh, they are 8-10 champions again. They're looking for uh, much more than that. I meant to ask him about that, and it skipped my mind, but we were going to talk a little bit about SLU uh, women's soccer coming up later on because they are just absolutely rolling right now. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line. we got some blues hockey to talk about. We'll do that next right here on KMOX. KMOX.